0: Hi, everyone. Today I'm talking to Lukas Paskauskas, who is a engineer, entrepreneur, and the CEO and co-founder of Let's Talk Group. Lukas holds a bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering from the Delft University of Technology in the Netherlands. After a successful engineering career, Lukas decided to become an entrepreneur in educational technology and mental health technology industries. In our conversation, we talked about mental health technologies, bioengineering, and Lucas' journey to becoming a better person and a better leader. I was really inspired by my conversation with Lucas, especially by his self-awareness, humbleness, and willingness to change the world for the better. Enjoy. Lucas, you mentioned that you're in Denmark right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you, you mentioned before I, before I hit recording that you were into kite surfing and wakeboarding but to me to be honest i'm not sure what's the difference between the two can you explain it
1: no so i'm not really into wakeboarding i'm okay uh, i'm primarily into like natural elements driven water sports i started with windsurfing and then i started kite surfing when i was 14 and um, now i'm mostly doing surfing and kite surfing um, and so like it's sort of my my lifestyle mm. in a very large part so all I do is <laughs> work and, and do water sports and currently I'm I'm in Denmark again for water sports reasons. So what's the difference between wakeboarding and kite surfing? Wakeboarding is you have a cable which is driven by a mechanical electromechanical device and it pulls you on a lake or like you can use a boat and then you go behind the boat okay well, whereas surfers,
0: in kite surfing you use a kite for that it's like yeah, more natural i ah, got it, it. Yeah. i see i see interesting i mean this podcast it's, it's called a uh, happy developer podcast and it's uh, interesting for me to learn how does your happiness is affected when you're doing that kite surfing thing how would you tie these two together
1: oh it's uh you know, you, you know, like I had this experience where I dislocated my shoulder mm. um, and then I couldn't do the sport for a while. And then I like was involved with studies and was like really living this lifestyle a bit further away from mm. the water. And like at, at some point, I really couldn't take it anymore. And sort of like I had an offer to do an internship in in, in San Francisco, but mm-hmm. I had another offer to do a, like an internship in in South Africa, Cape Town essentially working on kiteboarding equipment, surfboard equipment. And uh, without thinking, I pretty much took the second option to again be next to the ocean. And since then, my life quality increased tremendously. And it's like, if I do, if I'm not in the water for two weeks, I can really feel it on my well-being productivity. It's like, yeah, it, it's really crystal clear for me that this is something I have to do if I want to remain happy and uh, productive and fulfilled.
0: Great, right, great. Right. Maybe you were a, a fish in your past life.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. So so you mentioned that at some point in your life, you dislocated your, your shoulder and it was quite a difficult experience for you. And I guess because we're in, in this topic right now, uh, what I'm interested in are the, how to see key moments in, in people's lives, especially if they are creators, developers, entrepreneurs and in my experience, those difficult moments, uh, although they provided immense or somewhat immense suffering, but at the same time, they were like transforming in a way. For example, uh, becoming self-employed, I was forced to leave my, let's say, job at some point and uh, or be- becoming redundant, although at that moment it felt difficult, but the end result was, was something that I did not expect. So would you consider that experience of uh, dislocating your shoulder like one of your important experiences in life? What do you think?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know it, it was also like at this moment in my life when I was sort of like transitioning from this home time high school sort of life where like you know school is in general very easy, um, you know, all the people in your in your town and then you're sort of far like, almost, I wouldn't want like to say spoiled by life, but you're like sort of overly self confident. And you have this sort of like clear idea of what to do every day.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then, you know, there is this transition where you're becoming an adult. Mm -hmm. And so for me, these like high school hometown things, they were really all about kiting and doing sports and school somehow was like, kind of good. And I didn't really need to like focus on my on my intellectual development mm. too much so i think if i would have continued this way for sure my my life right now would looks significantly different and what happened with this shoulder dislocation mm-hmm. it's really like gave me no choice but to focus on sort of like my intellectual development for a few years and uh, yeah i'm not sure if this was like a a, a karmic thing a spiritual thing or like or was it just a coincidence? But for sure, it's uh, it helped me to grow in areas mm. in which otherwise I don't think I would have grown because of the maturity mm. maturity level I had as a person back then. Yeah. So, how old
0: are, were you when you dislocated your shoulder? Eighteen. Eighteen. 18. Okay, so that's like uh, at the at the pinpoint between teenage years and formally yeah. adulthood. Yeah. Although re- research shows that psychologically, people mature up until 26 or 27 years old something like that so in uh, and, and the way we're teenagers for quite a while
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well I, I i turned 27 like last november i feel oh. like i'm still maturing yeah <laughs> so s-
0: speaking of those of those years and 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 those that period when you were working on your intellectual capabilities if if i correctly remember that the phrasing so what did you actually do to heal from that, from that process? If I, if I may ask.
1: Yeah. So I went to study aerospace engineering and you know it's oh. funny because I went to study aerospace engineering, um, because when I was 14, I learned to kite surf and I really fell in love with the sport and like everything around it and I, and I wanted to sort of like go into it professionally. But then, you know, I was sort of growing up in, in Lithuania, which is not a destination where you can do it worldwide. And my parents were also quite conservative in that regard, especially when I was kind of okay in school. Um, so I said, okay, like if I don't have the opportunities and support to, to go this route, I'll do the second best thing. Mm. I, will, I will learn how to design my own like kitesurfing equipment and I looked mm. up like how to build flying things. I saw like this aerodynamics, aerospace thing. Mm. and I went to study aerospace. Um, so aerospace engineering, obviously, like there was almost nothing about Kai design. There was like a group with like research group within my faculty focusing on that, but that's mostly from like graduate and postgraduate students. Oh, and um, my studies focused on like building aircraft building rockets designing rockets designing satellites um, like really mechanical engineering mixed with some like other branches of engineering and mm. focus on building things that go into the air or into the space and 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 that's a difficult thing like you really have to learn to think deeply think in abstract ways mm. and sort of become a quick learner and so I think it was a good, a good place to, to discipline myself.
0: So if I hear you correctly, when you dislocated your, your shoulder, you basically decided, okay, so what would be the second best thing I could do with my life? And you felt that at this moment, studying aerospace engineering would be a, a good solution.
1: No, 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 I decided about going to study there. Like even before, like okay. I okay, got it. 15 or something. Yeah so speaking of of that period so how
0: long did it take for you to to heal from from that trauma physical trauma Uh,
1: i i think not long you know it happened i went to see a doctor Mm -hmm. i was told what i have to do and i did what i have to do i'm i'm not really sort of like traumatized by it you know i take life as it gets
0: so physically, how how long were you disabled? Uh, you were uh,
1: like physically.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, that
1: was that's another story. Physically, like my arm was very like not usable for maybe three months, okay. and then it was weak for another nine months, maybe.
2: Mm,
0: yeah. So uh, again, trauma. You know, it's not yeah. <laughs> because we're in mental health. We feel that all traumas are psychological yeah, traumas. Yeah, also I
1: mean, this as well. Right now, like whenever mentions <laughs> trauma, I think of abuse. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh,
0: just just to focus on that uh, that specific moment where you mentioned that you decided to work on your intellectual capabilities. So uh, if let's say someone is in this situation right now, maybe suffering from physical trauma, maybe from burnout, thinking to trans- transition to somewhere else, but maybe the person is not sure. So from your personal experience, uh, what, what, could you, what could you offer to those people who are also in a similar spot where you let's say, were as a 18 year old dude thinking of studying aerospace engineering?
1: I you know, like it's it's a bit of a difficult question, but I would say mm. like if you wanna do it, do it and then see what happens. Your life is not over after these three or four years. You can whenever you like you don't like it, choose something else, reinvent yourself. So I guess just don't take it too seriously.
0: Mm. So in a way, yeah, I mean e- easy to say. Don't take it too seriously when you're automatically doing that and you're automatic thoughts are so strong that you cannot defeat them so was there like in this particular moment or any other point in your life where you felt pressured by your thoughts maybe that internal critic that was saying no you will not be able to do that don't think of doing that blah 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 i'm sure sure you are aware of that concept so any experience you would like to share maybe, and allow people to to
1: learn from that together Yeah, but it came a bit later.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So um, in my, in my first year of studies, I sort of like realized, you know what, this aerospace thing is like, not necessarily for me, like, I don't really enjoy the kind of lifestyle I would Mm -hmm. have if I was to be doing this, like full time. And I also, I, I had an opportunity to study with some incredibly talented people like mm. literal geniuses like one of the guys they dropped out six months into the studies and started this company called the ocean cleanup it's wow. like they're building this massive uh, sort of like a sleeve that catches yeah trout in tell the ocean mm-hmm. yeah so you know like I, I was around people like that and i pretty much saw that um Like my talent as an engineer would never match these people, Mm. you know, So and and, and I was totally fine with it. I felt like, you know, I I don't really resonate with the lifestyle and like um, the work I would be doing if I was to pursue this path. Can Can
0: we stop here? Lucas, you mentioned an important thing that you felt that your lifestyle was not resonating their yeah. lifestyle was not resonating with you and i mean i I, ha- I have an idea of that entrepreneurial young mindset who wants to do something big and sometimes it can be intimidating for people who are just studying when you see like those successful young people but but you mentioned that although you are a in my view a successful entrepreneur right now but when you saw these people those engineers you felt that it's it's not for you so what was specifically not for you? What, what, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, they, they really enjoyed taking this complex mathematical formula and, like, you know, thinking about it and using, checking how to apply it. And they could spend the whole night in the library to do that. They were passionate about it. Mm. Whereas for me, I, I it, it just didn't click you know I I understood what it meant but I was not thinking about it so deeply as these people were because I was like it it wasn't capturing my imagination yeah and it's it's you know like if you as a kid if your parents take you to to a dance class and you don't like mm-hmm. it it's totally fine so it's a similar it's exactly the same thing like mm-hmm. I understood what I was told to do by my professors but I I was not taking it further than that, naturally. Mm. Yeah. I mean,
0: in a way, for, for me, it makes sense because if if, if we go back in, in history, in, in what you told, your first passion was uh, kite surfing and you wanted to do it professionally. And it seems that uh, although you said that you were thinking of studying aerospace, regardless of that, space or aerospace engineering, it seems that it was not like something you were, planning to do in the first place so i guess it makes sense why did you feel that somewhat i to say I'm, I'm not finding the word but not that motivated as let's say our mathematical engineers
1: yeah yeah i i i wanted to i wanted to do something else and in my second mm. year of studies um that's what i like i was sort of getting into this dark place where I'm like mm. oh my god, I really don't want to continue this like if I just study uh, I will you know finish my studies and what's next And like somehow these thoughts felt very very unnatural. So in my second year of studies I decided to look into other opportunities mm. and I started reading some books about like some biographies and sort of like oh there are actually so many different life paths. And uh, yeah, then I, then I said, oh, this whole business thing actually sounds very interesting. Mm. And, um, and yeah, and then I started learning about it and I started learning about it. And uh, during my studies, it was very interesting. In my second year of studies, I, uh, we had a car in my first year of studies during the first semester. So was it in
0: bachelor's or master's degree?
1: That was still in bachelor's. bachelor's. Okay, go ahead. In my first year of studies, we had a course called Intro to Aerospace Engineering. Mm-hmm. There were two parts. First was about aircraft, like atmospheric vehicles. Yes. And the second part was about um, like space vehicles. And in that second part, they introduced us to the concept of systems engineering. Mm. Systems engineering is a, it's like a methodology which helps interdisciplinary teams to build complex complex creations. so if you have something like a satellite which is mm-hmm. flying in space there are interfaces between the satellite and the rocket inside a satellite you have electronics for different things and then mm-hmm. you have like software control systems propulsion and all those things have to integrate there is like the structural aspect and everything like there is also the logistical planning like taking the satellite assembling it bringing it to the rocket launching it then controlling yeah. from ground so systems engineering is essentially a branch of science like a branch of science methodology which Mm -hmm. um which helps you to to do it smoothly okay and yeah and we got an intro into that and like the first the very first lecture like blew my mind away because i realized that if you apply this kind of thinking where you like create requirements for a system Mm -hmm. and then build components into that system not necessarily thinking in terms of engineering that you can build anything, but I like didn't really do anything with it. it. But but this like was, I guess, like this fundamental moment in my mind where I sort of learned to think of mm. how I'm still thinking today. And then in my second year of the studies, I was like, okay, what do I do next? And this whole business thing caught my attention because I thought, oh, you know what? If I apply the systems engineering thinking, I can think of what I want the system to achieve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, sort of use this methodology to to build everything. and i i am I'm, I'm still in training an engineer, so I like to be very structured in my work. So I still remain structured and sort of like engineering and mm-hmm. how I do things. But because of this focus on 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 like business aspect, I can also, you know uh, get get out of it to the extent where I feel comfortable with my lifestyle. And uh, yeah, and since then, I was pretty much uh, focusing every minute of my life, not in the water, not in studies, on on the business things. Yeah.
0: Right. So two things seem at least interesting to me. So uh, we were discussing, okay, those dark thoughts and maybe methods how a person could deal with those thoughts and uh, those. What you mentioned, uh, it seems inspiring to me. So first thing, you took a course that was how to say applicable not only to engineering but maybe wider areas and you know complex systems theory is is relevant to biology is relevant to sociology is relevant to psychology how complicated systems interact you know for example how individual affects the environment how the environment affects individual and sense. actually in counseling for example when we're uh, when we're discussing at least at least the way how i see it when we're discussing a problem with a client and let's say the client says that okay i'm not able to find a intimate partner and i don't know what should i do and what we can do is look okay so what environment is that you're spending most of your time and for some people the environment is just not appropriate to achieve a certain goal so you change the environment to solve the problem something like that like in your case you you are a kite surfer and if let's say the baltic sea is not appropriate for that you go to denmark south africa or anywhere else where it solves the problem so yeah it's it's interesting what you're saying and the other thing also is interesting about reading biographies is that you so you you were you actually you allowed yourself to be inspired by some material so you attended lectures you try to take knowledge in some people just drop off and they don't don't take their studies seriously so It seems that you allowed yourself still to take that knowledge in and you also were exploring different opportunities and I guess it shows that as as you said so if if you are if you don't give up you're looking for ideas for sources of inspiration something can pop up and you
1: never know what it will be right. Yeah yeah Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah like I mean the amount of possibilities and opportunities and different paths that you can take in this world are just absolutely insane i don't think there is anyone in the world who'd, who could categorize all of that so i think if you it's it's a bit unrealistic to to expect that you go at a young age you know find a study or like don't find a study find work and this clicks from like day one yeah sure for some, some people win the lottery but for most of us we, we have to continue searching and do it the more actively you do it mm-hmm the higher the chance that you're going to find it soon mm. so
0: it's simple logic and in your situation what also it seems could have been a a good predictor is that you studied not in lithuania you decided to study abroad right was it in netherlands yeah delft university right yeah. so uh, uh, to my knowledge it's it's like it's ranks quite high in, yeah in, in rankings I, I think it's top top 200 something like that so
1: no, actually in aerospace i believe it's top it's for sure top 10 and i want to say top uh, three yeah. but i'm not sure yeah
0: yeah 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 good point so just because the university is like in general top 200 doesn't mean that a specific program is not a, a leading so yeah and i think field.
1: in general it's like top 50 maybe i, I but i mean it yeah
0: happen. we need to look <laughs> it up so it doesn't matter so but the idea is that it's a good university right and
1: yeah. um and that's why I got the chance to meet these really, really, really Successful, smart yeah. young people. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, like some some guys, they were like looking into these equations, which would take me like a page to solve, and they would do it in two lines. And I'm like, how? <laughs> they, they were crazy smart, crazy smart. And look...
0: Uh... <laughs> to be not too positive you know so it's great that you were inspired by that course it's great that you were able to tie it with your passion which is let's say high surfing. it's great that you were exploring those biographies but some people are unable to do that they see those successful people they were the best in their hometown in their high school and now they see that these are super successful super successful in a way, super smart, super intelligent people, and it can be intimidating for some, some young people. So what, what, what would be your advice, personal or otherwise, what to do in those situations when you are intimidated by highly intelligent people and you feel that you, you had that potential, but still you compare yourself to others and it's, it's difficult you know, to, to make that first step and, and do something about it. And what, what would be your take on that?
1: Mm. I guess the first one is to you know to to be to accept and be grateful because your standard has been right has like really they raised your standard Mm -hmm. you know I, I guess that's very important and then for me this sort of came naturally because I saw and like my standard went like through the roof what i thought is 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 uh, cool and uh, inspiring and in any mm-hmm. may not and like i don't know like competitive ability or whatever um and once you do that talk to these people and like get to know them and you know really understand the like this direction of their talent because yep like what i learned so far is that if you meet someone talented generally speaking they will be like generally talented in a, in a broad domain than a person who is like not necessarily so talented okay. but still their main talent is going to be sort of unidirectional so um, talk to these people like you know and and build these friendships because their ability to be so good in one direction will uplift your ability to be good in that direction mm-hmm. too through thought-provoking conversations but also you will learn that you know, in in certain aspects, you have this, um, mm. like, you know, not, I I want to say competitive advantage, because it's not really about competition here, but more like a, um, like, you know, like a special gift mm-hmm. about yourself. And like, the more you talk to people, the more you can get different perspectives and compare. I don't want to say compare yourself, but you sort of do especially yeah. when you're developing you're trying to find your place in the world
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and it's totally fine in my opinion as long as you don't have a fragile ego um, and and yeah and then you know you you learn to find your your strength mm-hmm. maybe that strength is something very specific like if you take a very talented engineer they're probably very very good at engineering mm-hmm. but maybe you're the kind of person who can be good at a few different things and then it's very rare to find a person who is able to be good at that and that at the same time. So you have to keep this open mind and, like, instead of being intimidated, talk and use it as an opportunity to to raise your bar and also to uh, learn more about yourself.
0: Mm. Okay, so I, I hear at least three three concepts, and it's. I, I feel that I need just to stop at each. So you mentioned gratitude, then you mentioned. You didn't use that word, but I feel that you were talking about discovering your strengths. And the, the third thing is understanding yourself, right? So, like gratitude, strengths, and self-awareness. And you know, you also mentioned fragile ego. And unfortunately, if, if we use it, the word technically ego is like our how to say control center or like our internal metaphor for something that drives our behavior. It's like According to Freud, it mediates between societal requirements and our internal needs for uh-huh. aggression drive so it's like an intermediator and unfortunately, for many people that they they don't have strong ego boundaries. they maybe experienced abuse, maybe their their parents were how to say um they they, they didn't provide enough love or maybe they were too critical, so sometimes you you become in a way, your self or identity becomes intertwined with the expectations of the environment. So the system kind of becomes dominant. The individual becomes unable to, how to say, see the boundaries between oneself and the environment. You know? And in these situations, it's difficult you know to feel that gratitude because you always feel that, okay, these people are, are much better and I will never be able to achieve that level. But... If let's say you're a bit humble and you realize that, okay, these people are also in certain ways uh, masters at something, but in certain ways, maybe not that way, you can start to identify, okay, so what are my unique talents? Okay, maybe that colleague is uh, very strong in mathematics, maybe his IQ is very high or her, but at the same time, still this person can be a generalist and don't know where to apply that. High high intelligence, whereas maybe you are more entrepreneurial and maybe you see how to apply the talent or direct certain talent. So I guess, yeah, the idea of how to say being humble and not taking yourself too seriously, as you said in the beginning, and learning from other people, learning how to say humbly with a uh, you know just of gratitude. I think it it can help you know, and it seems it seems that it helped in your case because you know, we met together when I was looking for jobs in counseling and, you know, the, the project you have also seems like, okay, so how the hell a aerospace engineer decided to change mental health in the world, you know, so that's, 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 you know, interesting. So if if you, if you, what do you think, maybe we can move to, to mental health because we were thinking yeah, to discuss it. So to, to give us a context so okay so you mentioned kite surfing it was a passion you were considering maybe doing it professionally but then that physical trauma happened you studied aerospace engineering and it seems that at some point you felt that okay mental health is a topic that i'm interested in so how did you discover this topic
1: yeah so like i was i was doing my master's and it was in biomechanical engineering and somehow i was thinking about my thesis and what i want to do and i thought okay maybe you know like now my biomechanical things they really focus on 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 like like mechanical aspect of, of the body and i thought but you know what like why there is not much work done at least i thought so at the time about one's mind and uh, at psych because if for example someone is operating a, a very expensive piece of equipment and uh, you know wouldn't it possibly reduce accident rate or mm-hmm. or like reduce the insurance liability mm. if we were able to determine the person's mental well-being as well and yeah and so i i started looking into that and it really caught my attention. And then I had one project related to, to this. And um, yeah, and then with one of my partners, we said, why don't we also build, like, what's, what's the, my initial thoughts, they were a bit futuristic. Mm. But at, at some point, I asked myself a question, what can be done to help people today? You
0: know, because... Can i stop you here yeah i want to talk about that futuristic idea so what was your futuristic plan if you don't mind
1: And that was like measuring human emotions using humans physiological signals okay and then using artificial intelligence to give a high high frequency feedback therapy back to the back to the user i still think it might work someday but not in the next two or like five or probably ten years, there's so much work to be done we 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 actually developed a smart ring that can measure ah. skin conductivity, heart rates, skin temperature and movement and hand movements, and like pass that data onto or, or like into the smartphone, into the cloud, and then we can you know process all of this. But um, once Covid hit, uh, I, I'm not sure if you heard about it, but there was like it became a bit difficult to buy necessary chips and Mm -hmm. and the hardware is like already very hard to develop and so this project is unfortunately a bit on hold for now
0: ah got it got it yeah so So, as i
1: said this was very mm -hmm. futuristic okay so because it is
0: something that you stopped for a while i guess we can talk about a little bit because you studied bioengineering, so do you understand that, that bioengineering is like basically creating complex artificial systems like robots who something yeah, like there, that
1: there, there are two schools for that so okay um, essentially you can sort of like look into the body from like medical point of view and like do stuff like with with help from like um Yeah, engineering devices, but like on a tissue level, on a like nanorobot level, like cellular level.
0: Like Neuralink, for example, would it be an example of
1: medical? Okay. Yeah, sort of, yeah. And uh, then the other one is like way more mechanical. So, for example, you have something like an exoskeleton, you know, Mm -hmm. or you have a prosthetic device. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, in, in my mind, these are like sort of like two main directions where like young people choose to go to either that or that At least That's what mm-hmm. I saw. And uh, yeah, I was, I was in the latter. I didn't really learn much about um, besides some basic anatomy. I didn't learn much about how, for example, a liver works on, on its like cellular level or whatever mm-hmm. that, that wasn't part of my curriculum.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but, but we, we really looked at concepts like artificial intelligence and, um, you know, advanced uh, advanced mechanical mm. modeling mm-hmm. so that you can model human body and if, if needed, extend it. And uh, yeah. So if I
0: if I heard you correctly, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I'm not, how to say, versed in that field, but I'm just trying to get the difference. So the third school is more about uh, using human body as a metaphor for creating, let's say, artificial systems. So for example, neural network, it, it tries to copy the brain, but it still
1: is not biological. No, that's the, like, you know, um, there is this idea of 3D printing organs. That's category one. You're really like going onto this, like sort of how the body works. You look into, like into the human body, probably as deep as a, as a medical professional would. Mm. and you work with that and then the other aspect is where you the, the second category is that where you're not where you're not looking so deeply you're more focusing on like things like prosthetics mm-hmm. like if someone loses a leg how do you build that person a new leg sure which yeah
0: sure. okay so interesting so it seems that the first one is more cutting edge and it's more like they're both cutting edge but they're... i mean cutting edge in the sense that okay so you're if you're creating a printer for organs so for me it seems very cutting edge
1: yeah but at the same time if someone loses a leg and they receive a leg which can you know again let them i don't know do surfing or go dancing you know it's it's equally life improving so uh, equally difficult to to execute sure from practical perspective i guess i was thinking from a scientific point
0: or scientific point of view because to create let's say a uh, bio artificial heart from scratch it seems like a very difficult challenge. Yeah.
1: yeah, probably. So
0: so when we talk about, let's say, TV series like Westworld, can we say that? Have you? Are you aware of that? Yeah. yeah. So if, let's say, in those series, they are basically creating those, how to say, I, I don't want to use the word robots, but let's say artificial people, they, they are driven by organs. It's just that they are not biological organs. They are, like, created from scratch. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so this this would probably be like the second category sort of because they're like really using mechanical concepts to sort of build robots but they're inspired by humans you know mm. like bio like bio inspired robotics
2: yeah. mm.
0: and it seems that in neither of those two include the problems associated to mental health at least at least how i understand
1: so that's the thing mm-hmm. Well, I, I also thought it was not part of the curriculum
0: okay
1: but for my thesis when i started doing my literature review and like searching there actually is a field called effective computing mm-hmm. and they are pretty much looking into how computers can either a replicate or b interact with humans by taking into account how humans feel yeah yeah so- and uh, <clears throat> Uh, the the, the scientist who who sort of like first went to, into this domain is she, her name is rosalind Picard from mit okay um she wrote a short book i think it can be found online called affective computing it's a very interesting read um gives great like sort of basic insight into into many different like fundamental branches of mm-hmm. science like for example um behavioral theory and so on like on, on, on what, what you're trying to integrate mm. so there was there, there is this domain and um it's quite new i believe it's now maybe like 30 years old something like that um so it's very new and what they were looking at uh, up to this point is pretty much you know determining finding a way to determine basic emotions so yeah facial recognition but applied to emotion recognition can we use things like heart rate to determine how a person feels? why mm. or why not can we use can we use that information to make computers more usable mm. like th- these are like the questions they were they were and are still trying to answer
0: but if i understand the literature or, or current current science it seems that they already solved the problem of identifying emotions using face face recognition, they are like those models that are quite accurate, at least identifying basic emotions like sadness, joy, disgust, uh, fear.
1: Yeah, so those uh, my colleague and I, we actually used a few open source frameworks to test how they work. And indeed the the way it works is that they have a few different emotions, like usually six, you know, like yeah, um, Aman basic emotions, yeah a- exactly, yeah mm. and then whatever you do with your face, <laughs> they assign you to one of those uh, no. you you know, so like it 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 doesn't have this continuity where you yeah. where I look at your face and like you know like i I can tell you that you're feeling more than one thing and like different levels of each thing, it still doesn't have this. Um, this continuity, this precision level. Yeah, yeah. At least yeah. the model I saw. But funny thing uh, is that Rosalind Picard, she actually has a company, which focuses on facial recognition,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: they're applying that into. I think, I think one of the concepts I saw that they were applying into the, into the like the back mirror in the car, mm-hmm. and you and, and uh, sort of like feeding that into the car and like sending to, a truck. So like, you know, where uh, truckers work they for logistics, they they have like these huge control centers or like they used to have now, it's more like outsourced, but they like send this information there and process and like do something with that. That's the thing. I'm not, I didn't look into it too deeply, but I think uh, that was one of the concepts I saw either in her company or someone else's. I'm not sure if I would want, let's say my
0: autonomous car to know what I'm feeling and act accordingly, you know why? because uh, I guess it would make sense let's say if if i if I was anxious or maybe my car would feel that there's a risk of for me getting a panic attack, then that car would give me a notification, dude, maybe slow down, park a bit, breathe, and continue your journey. The reason why i don't I don't want to do this because I mean there are certain situations that when I I want to have my emotions private and I had the ability to, you know, to deal with them or control them, even if I'm uh, in a car or driving a car. So, you know, this, this thing of, you know, knowing everything what I feel or do and providing decision-making on behalf of myself, it's, it's, it seems scary to me, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And funny, uh, funny thing you say that about a panic attack. So, is what Rosalind Picard, the invention of effective computing, like sort of branch mm-hmm. of science. She also has another co- company called Empatica, and what they are doing is they are using, uh, they they have a bracelet, which measures your skin conductivity. And it has been shown that skin conductivity and its behavior can very accurately predict mm-hmm. if you're about to have an epilepsy attack. Yeah. So what they built is a service where if the bracelet senses that you're going to have an epilepsy attack, it informs your caregiver. And that caregiver can immediately come and help you. And... I I I don't want to think how many lives I I want to think how many lives they they saved this way, Um, but I think it's really cool, and I think in the future they will be using or other companies will be using this data about emotions to really Mm. you know inform people proactively about hey dude you're going to be at risk if you don't do you don't calm down or whatever and I think um, yeah there is this issue of privacy and when we were building smart the smart ring we also thought should we send the data to the cloud and process it there or should we like sort of have algorithms that mm. we manage to squeeze onto the small ring which is obviously technically uh, and you i you
0: can know. i guess if i understand that technology you can encrypt the information is it a solution uh,
1: well it, you sort of are encrypting information all the time but if you have sure. if you can encrypt you can also like decrypt and you know so uh, ideally you keep devices isolated from the network and they just yeah. like give you information just to you and you and no one else nothing is perfect in terms of security sure yeah yeah
0: so okay okay interesting 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 so um one more thing what so what was your thesis about that you were were writing for your master's degree
1: it it was about the smart ring, pretty much
0: ah okay that's the project that is basically right now on hold for for now yeah so any any ideas to continue
1: at least yeah yeah yeah, for sure sure so and uh, not now
0: so that bracelet that the 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 uh, the the scientist you mentioned before Rosalyn, right so is it like something like their bracelet that you're planning to to create
1: or it's somehow different something we wanted to create is we, we really want to pack it with sensors and let those sensors collect the physiological data yeah. and convert that physiological data into psychological data. So, ah, how okay. a person is feeling emotionally. Because, you know, there are many startups sprouting around the world where essentially their value proposition is like, hey, input how you're feeling, and we'll give you insights after a while on how you're feeling. And, um, uh, that it's like those work.
0: those apps where for example track your emotions yeah something yeah like that.
1: okay yeah but the reality is those things are very unlike i don't believe they will work for a simple mm-hmm. reason it requires a tremendous amount of discipline from the user to in to spend actively thinking about themselves and how they mm-hmm. feel in their busy schedules or like if it's something people do at work you know it's it's very like, is person going to focus on this like burning stressful thing they're currently doing, mm. or is he go, or is she, or he going to add information into this app yeah. about how they're feeling? And you know, maybe they will do it for a week, but once they miss doing that, like once, because of your of the way our habits like work, we we probably all been there with like working out. If we miss it once, we miss it again and again and again, and <laughs> we forget about it and i and and i see and i and i also have quite a few friends from the mental health space i see this happening you know these apps struggle to 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 tackle this behavioral change challenge and it's an incredibly difficult challenge a few companies in the world managed to pull it off like facebook for example okay like facebook but they had like a team of engineers hacking your psychology to to make their platform addictive and that's why you're using it every day you know if know if you're a startup who is asking something from people and the value prop they get from you is that you will see a graph of how you're feeling. I mean, you know, is it realistic it's going to work? No, but if you have a device which you met, like put on and you don't have to think about it and you know it processes the data in the back end, and like sometimes you open the app and you see all the information about how you were feeling, what time you were feeling, you can sort of like without doing active inputs get all the benefits. Yeah. think that would work and uh that's the idea behind it yeah i
0: mean it's great how you described you basically described like two camps that are in a way trying to solve the same problem which is basically emotional awareness you know and uh, and i guess uh, both camps have their positives and drawbacks if if you allow me just to rant a bit on that Mm -hmm. when we talk about let's say apps that how to say try to train you uh Let's say, observe your emotions and put them on the app. The reason I like this idea is because it's it somewhat trains you you to be more self-determined in a way to be your owner of your emotions, learn to observe them consciously, and try to be conscious about the process. At the same time, we get into the problem of habits because you know, to be honest, when I look at my phone, there are tons of other apps that I can use at that moment. and, you know, mental apps are not probably those that you use immediately or by instinct. Exactly. You know, exactly. so this is this is one problem when we talk about those, let's say, devices. So, in in my perspective, I agree. I, I feel that they uh, reduce that cognitive load. You don't have to think about it; it just observes you. But at the same time, it's like it's like surveillance in a way. And if you're a bit paranoid about that. And yeah. you don't want someone to be that paternalistic figure that will solve all your problems. That is also <laughs> not the, the best solution, you know? So it would be great to have something in, in between where, for example, a person still maintains one's self-determinacy, one's autonomy, but at the same time that the person doesn't have, think too much about the process, you know? What, yeah. what, what do you yeah. think?
1: I I'm I totally agree. Like, you know, if, if I'm, like the reason we chose not to, uh, use something like an apple watch or garmin like mm. there are three reason, reasons first of all their apis are limited in the amount of data and quality okay. of data you get so um but like technical aspects aside no, uh, there's another interesting technical aspect i want to mention is that okay. um, you know, like skin conductivity essentially measures the amount of sweat in your skin it can be like the amount of sweat you don't even feel if you touch with your finger, but there is some sweat in your hand. And um like this sweat secretion is controlled by our uh yeah sympathetic parasympathetic nervous systems pretty much. Um and in your on your wrist here you have much smaller amount of sweat glands than in yeah. your finger or your palm.
2: Mm.
1: And that's a, one reason to have a smart drink. Another reason is same for the heart rate you get much better quality signal because you have like winds going here. Yeah. So Hmm. I believe it was like that at least. I have have a business idea for you.
0: What about you guys create a two rings, one for the husband and one for the wife for them to it, yeah. <laughs> for them for them to be aware of each other's emotions for example that that would seem nice you know if i'm um, let's say i'm I'm at work and i'm being informed that maybe my wife is a bit stressed so i'm maybe incentivized to call her and see how she's doing so you had yeah. this idea right <laughs> we,
1: we have we have like the application of applications in there are like infinite if this thing would work as we want it to work but again as i said the hardware it's hard and um for now it's a bit on hold mm-hmm. uh but uh, what you mentioned um like the reason we wanted to build our our own thing was that we control the data you know we can yeah. be sure that it's it's private and secure and uh, not used for malicious mm. malicious purposes and um, yeah I because mean, if,
0: if you're a trust trustworthy intermediator, because it totally depends if you trust the, the system or the the, uh, the yeah. product owner. Yeah. So, Yeah. Exactly. Mm, good, good, interesting, very interesting stuff. So, going into your current project, at least how we got to know each other. So, in Lithuanian, it's called Pasekalbeek, is basically, let's talk. And uh, you mentioned before our conversation that you decided to change your name, uh, so what, what's how,
1: how we should refer to your company right now. Yeah. Um, in when we started in Lithuanian, and then we expanded into English speaking market, mm-hmm. uh, and we called it, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, but we sort of like after a bit of experimentation and stuff, we decided to really maintain the brand name and sort of call ourselves. Let's talk, okay. um, like, like let's talk group and, um, uh, have a different, uh, different domain in every country, every language we we might choose to expand to. So and for example, just, in, in Portugal, mm-hmm. where we're now operating, we're called uh, Vamos Falar, which also means like, uh, let's talk in Latvia, we now created a name, let me think, I think it was Pasaki, yeah, Pasaki, <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, basically, it, it sounds like not listen or let's talk, but tell something like you know it seems very similar yeah it's interesting how a a connotation can be different for the same concept you know so uh, okay so just give 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 me or maybe more our audience so what what is let's talk group about what are the what is the main goal of the project and what are you currently working on
1: so as i mentioned before this smart thing that came from my studies and it was like very futuristic and not necessarily the smartest thing to do from a business point of view. And I believe like a good business is something that solves an immediate problem people have. And I recognize that in in Europe and uh, you know in Lithuania, the access to mental health, and when I say Europe, I don't mention, like I don't mean the whole Europe, for example, in Scandinavia, they have okay. really good system. Sure. In, in other countries, and most of them, it's 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 uh, it's the opposite. Um, you know, the the system to to get mental health care when you need it was not ideal. Um, so, for example, in Lithuania, right? First of all, there's this fundamental thing that there is still stigma about having some sort of like a mental health temporary problem. You know, like um, no, I don't want to use the word problem, but like if you if you have uh, like a condition, or you're not feeling well. You're like anxious, depressed. It happens the, to The
0: appropriate yeah. word right now is mental challenges.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. But you know, if you're, if if you say someone is mentally challenged, that also like okay, it's, 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 yeah, yeah, I yeah. Understand. yeah. So like yeah, if 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 you have something you are concerned about regarding your emotional well-being, and you and you want to talk to someone, mm-hmm. ideally you would do it privately. Because if you if you go to a public institution, all of this becomes like sort of your record, and I don't, like at um, least I don't want to have that anywhere in any database. You no, know? mm-hmm. uh, so so th- that's why I believe that mental health care, um, as nice it would be if it was like mm. fully like government paid and so on, yeah. it, it's best if it's private mm-hmm. for some people. But even if you go the private route, you still as a Lithuanian person would go on Google and then you find these people, you have no idea who they are, or like you have a too much of an idea who they are because they're like advertised in media. And you know. then you contact them and you have to wait for a few months. And uh, then you go on this talk, on this first call after a few months and maybe you don't even like the person, you can't build this therapeutic alliance with that therapist or counselor or whatever. And yeah, and and, and essentially what we build is a platform where you sign up, you immediately see therapists who have available spots to take you in this week, sometimes even the same day. Mm -hmm. And then the first call is free and everything is like super secure. We collect absolute minimum amount of information and none of that information is shared with anyone pretty mm-hmm. much so um and you talk to a real psychologist using an end to end encryption method, so again, like no one besides you and the and the therapist know or hear or see the the contents of those conversations so um. Yeah, we we build a platform like that. It's essentially like an Airbnb for getting psychological help, Mm -hmm. but really tailored to the needs of the psychologist and the person seeking for psychological help.
0: Okay, Okay, so this is like uh, one of your key projects right now, but you're also, so we will get into it, but you also have like a uh, podcasting platform or something like that where you can read or listen to interesting materials. It's PesikloSeek.
1: Ah, yeah, that and was, also, yeah.
0: and sorry, and also, when the war in Ukraine happened, you also created like an additional system for refugees to take take counseling. So maybe you can talk a little bit about those two as well.
1: Yeah. So you know, uh, earlier in in our conversation, we talked that you know uh, when people are young, some people have better emotional maturity and ability to sort of. Um, deal with what, what life is throwing at them than others, and uh, I believe that as a as a society, as a um, uh, we are responsible for educating the youth. Um, but part of that education should involve two things, which are unfortunately have not been taught to me when I was growing up, mm-hmm. and this is emotional literacy and financial literacy. Mm-hmm. And since I'm working in the emotional liter- like in the mental health space. Um, my team and I we wanted to launch a project that is like a free school for people to learn about the important aspects regarding their emotions. So that's the idea. it's purely altruistic. It's all about you know contributing to, to the well-being of society so that they can become um, uh, more emotionally literate and they can better understand themselves because the best mental health care is prevention. As with any healthcare So rate. is
0: it only provided in Lithuanian or can you, can
1: you access it in our not. Areas, unfortunately, only, yeah. In Lithuanian. Okay, yeah, but in the future, we will of course fix it. But sure, for now sure. it's uh, the focus is on other things. So that's particularly seek, which, uh, I think means, uh, uh, listen in, in, in English, yeah, something like that. And, uh, yeah. And the other project was called PSI help for ua.eu. Mm -hmm. and um when the war broke out i was actually just on my holiday for the first time in a few years Mm. but this was uh yeah this was and still is a major 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 crisis and i thought that everyone who is capable of providing any sort of help um should do so so we created this platform which is essentially a a replica of yeah. our um, bicycle bag project. We will learn how to make these replicas because we're expanding to, to different countries, and you know we sort of like nailed the process of mm-hmm. how to do it quickly. We can just like launch it in in, in, in like a new replica in mm-hmm. a new place of like customized things, in, in, in like in probably less than a day at this point. Um, and 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 yeah, and we invited uh, some like we invited therapists, volunteer therapists to talk to people from ua or like refugees and sort of like to absorb some of that um, emotional negativity overload if that's the correct term sure. yeah yeah mm, got that's it like- yeah
0: interesting interesting it seems that uh, your project is also very how to say mission driven and you provide certain certain uh, projects that are for free and for people who are maybe in need so that's, that's, that's great. Um, so speaking of, um, speaking of let's talk project. So, um, so, you know, you are not the only ones, of course, it's, it's difficult to be the first in anything. And usually if you are, you're not the the most successful one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, for me, it would be interesting to learn because I'm sure that you, you analyze the, the competitive environment so how is let's talk different f- from let's say our projects and if you can name them what they would be and what is your like difference if there is any and we can get into detail because you know small things are important and you know i'm i'm also at, as as a psychologist at Pacifica I'm a psychologist on our platforms and I a small difference from it specialist perspective oh where are you
1: (laughs) i'm here give me a moment My charger. yeah yeah for sure so um let's break it down into three categories and then we focus on two Uh, the first category which we will immediately sort of take out is these automated mental health tools which can be again like broken down into two categories the first one is non-ai driven and the second one is AI driven. Non-ai driven is like these tracking apps which show you like graphs, which are like minimally interactive. The second category of in there would be ai 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 therapy solutions. So basically
0: are... chat with a robot.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah. And actually there are some which are really good. yeah, and they have been shown by reputable studies to to be effective. One of them is called uh, Woobot, W-O-E-Bot. Okay. Uh, highly recommended to, to to test it out, especially for people with like um, mild anxiety, I guess. Mm-hmm. And also for those who are curious about like this whole AI space. Sure. Uh, but let's go to the other like key categories. And the first one is consumer facing and the other one is a business facing. Mm-hmm. So first of all, let's talk. Yeah. Is primarily a tool for psycholo- psychologists. So we're not really into these two categories. We are consumer agnostic. We don't care if a person is coming as a private or is it or that person is coming from business. We are a tool for psychologists to manage their practice and be always full of clients. And while we definitely do not do things yet perfectly, we're That's the mission we're building to because our assumption is, is that to be to really create an excellent mental health care experience for for the world, Mm -hmm. you have to make sure that therapists really want to work with their skill sets and not look into going into HR, for example, or like corporate Mm -hmm. culture, you know, so there has to be a huge supply of therapists, sure. So the profession has to be attractive, and we're we're trying to contribute to making that profession attractive by really giving them like comfortable uh, uh, working conditions, uh, like almost a guaranteed clientele, and uh, um, in the in the few, like w- we're trying to uh, working on steps to also ensure that they're pay- getting paid more and more. But like it, it's it's a process, you know so so that's that's essentially like this like vision difference between mm-hmm. something like for example better help in the united states which is really a consumer facing platform like you need therapists you come to better help you find it and all they're doing is they're they are like trying to get help from there and uh you know i don't want to risk getting into any legal sure. issues but I, I i did talk to a few therapists and uh uh, who, who work in, at BetterHelp, for example, and you know they're not too happy. They're looking for outside opportunities, um, and I believe that's. Uh, I'm sure, like companies like BetterHelp, and there are a few others, they they're aware of that, mm-hmm. and they, and they're working on it. But this is something we 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 have been trying to work on from the day one. Our client is the therapist, and uh, uh, then the second category is like business facing tools um so i think we have one in lithuania which is called myletic uh but then we have a few different ones in the world which are like doing really really well for example ginger.io mm. it's absolutely amazing it's i think they're like the best solution out there and uh, then there is uh, better up which is more about coaching know. Yeah, 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 yeah but it's it's more about um yeah, business-facing solutions. So the idea is, is that you, as an employer, you 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 sign up these companies uh, to be your your service providers, and the service those providers give is like access to some sort of mental health care for your employees.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. I mean, uh, as, as as you guys, you you myletic because I'm on Mindletic as well. They are they are also uh, how to say a. a physical person can also download the app and get help if he wants. It's just that he or she, it's just that the person will have to pay for it. Whereas when it is a business facing solution and it's for employees employees can get a, let's say certain amount of, of help. And it seems that you have this as well,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. So as I said, like for, for us, the, we are sort of like a bit agnostic sure. from, from where the client comes. We, we focus on ensuring that there are many different places mm-hmm. from where clients come so that our therapists can always have like this influx of clients. And then later in the future, they can sort of filter. Like I only want clients who are private or I only want to talk to business clients. I want to focus on clients who want to be coached to like be better at the discipline. Like that's the future where like, if, if you are like a therapist, right, and you want to have a very specific focus So it's not just the client who filters what kind of therapy they want to receive, but also you as a therapist, to filter what kind of clients you want to get, Mm -hmm. you know, so we're like sort of trying to create many different funnels. From where the clients come into the platform to talk to therapists. Yeah. And of course, like business is a part of that. Sure. But this is for sure not something we focus on actively. In fact, sure, our sure. marketing budget is literally zero on that. Everything mm. we got is organic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I got it. So I would like to talk about a topic that also it, it's at least interesting to me personally as a as a specialist. And uh, if, if you allow me, I will challenge you a bit and you just yes, get back to me so and, and pick, pick, pick up my my arguments so and, and some interview or conversation I, I don't remember where you mentioned that uh your philosophy is called cheap and plentiful do you yes. still do you still uh own these words yes okay well, how would you ac- explain this philosophy before i get into my rant okay
1: <laughs> yeah well essentially uh Cheap and plentiful means that it's accessible to anyone who needs it.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, yeah and, and w- when you use these words, uh, to me as a psychologist, it seems that I'm not your client. Your client is still the service, uh, service receiver, like the actual client. So, because when I see this cheap and plentiful for a psychologist who wants, let's say, to earn more, for me, it mm-hmm. doesn't seem very how to say, um, attractive, let's say. So the problem, I guess, I would like you to discuss is how to balance properly that on the one hand, the product would be attractive to a person in need, so not too expensive, but at the same time provide a, would say, proper salary to, let's say, a psychologist. So for example, just right now at Pasikalbek, it's like, 40 euros right
2: Mm -hmm.
0: in in lithuania okay 40 euros in lithuania so it's public info anyone can 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 check it Mm -hmm. out uh now um private counselors who don't use such 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 platforms the anecdotally speaking the some varies but it's it's already around 50 60 euros per hour or per 15 Mm -hmm. minutes so of course it's more for more experienced professionals, but still it's like anecdotally, I'm not sure if you agree, but it's still what what I'm aware of when I look at the market. So now, for example, if let's say I, okay, I'm a beginning psychologist, for me, it's great. At at first, I get into your platform, I receive clients, I build my experience, I build it for a while, but eventually let's say, feel that, okay, it's not enough for me. I need to, I want to improve my financial game. I want to earn more. Mm So what what type of solution could Let's Talk offer in this situation where, for example, to maintain more experienced psychologists as well? Because if let's say you want to be more open to different people, different problematic situations, the fact that you have maybe less experienced specialists puts you in a tough situation because not necessarily those specialists are, are great at those different problems. So. What would be your take on this balancing problem and it's it's a problem like sorry for for that trend, but it's a problem that have, that many taxi companies have, that many other places where you have this how to say mm-hmm. tension between the the client and the service provider. so what would be your take on that?
1: Yeah oh man, this is a very complex problem, and I'm glad you brought it up. but um essentially you know i will we are experimenting. With a few different solutions within the platform mm-hmm. to sort of um, do the price variability. And since we're now expanding across numerous countries, we can, you know, like experiment it in different locations without risking that, for example, in Lithuania, things will go south very quickly. So,
0: what do you mean uh, go or, south?
1: Like, for example, if we, if like the second you introduce something like a variable price mm-hmm. into a marketplace, it has this new dimension. Where you 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 get like competition, you know, between psychologists and yeah. is this something we want in the platform? I don't know. No one knows until we test it. My mm-hmm. intuition says that no, you know, this is not something you want to you want to generally have, you mm-hmm. know, in, in in this in this niche. So, uh, but maybe I'm wrong, and so we are like doing many of these tests, and it's a bit of like of a private know-how. So I don't want to get yeah, too much sure. into that at this point. But I really. Uh, Want to stress that if the therapist chooses to like work for themselves, there is obviously overhead involved. But if they're like super well known, this overhead is minimal because they're getting like clients lined up. There is still this aspect of managing the practice, okay? Like uh, convenient scheduling, payment collection. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if they're talking over video, then you know, psychologist hasn't ethical and in some countries legal obligation to use as a secure, secure private tool for that so at this point what we want to do we want to say hey it's so cool you brought you you managed to build your practice and your name if you want to continue using our tool you know here is here it's like a monthly fee which is like for example a price of one session and you can continue yes to use this tool you know and love mm-hmm. to manage your practice you know so but is this um, is this something you already like have that the, we are working on it ah got it okay yeah okay, okay.
0: yeah yeah i mean you're not the only ones because uh, there are other people and uh, and i don't want to mention names but i'm sure you're you're aware of them in lithuania who are also thinking of uh, how to target psychologists or therapists and how to create a proper tool for managing let's say clients having those video sessions so i think it's it's definitely a niche especially because there is that um, increase in interest of of psychological services so yeah, yeah. great okay okay yeah. but speaking of that problem of balancing okay the price and uh, that a client has to pay and the price that goes to the wallet of the or purse or they of the, of the counselors so any ideas how to solve this, this problem that is definitely something in, in other services as well, Well, you have freelance providers, let's mm-hmm. say in, 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 no, in, yeah.
1: It's, it's so, it's probably the most difficult, like thinking wise exercise I've ever had to do. Mm. It's, it's such a tough challenge because naturally, you know, like if you want to if you want to scale, you have to have cash flow sure. as, a, as, a, as an organization. But at the same time, you want the providers to be living as comfortable and nice lives as possible. That's why we're doing this. And so you're like in a constant struggle there and sort of like mm-hmm. trying to get active feedback and uh, think of solutions. and. Um, lately and and there are these external forces that influence your decisions for example Mm -hmm. lately we wanted to increase the prices but then you know the inflation is like what around 10 percent or something and then there is war and then there is like huge economic uncertainty and would it now be a good time to increase prices for psychological? that's that's ethical
0: thinking on your part right so i hear yeah Mm -hmm.
1: and and we were like well we're not sure let's talk to the psychological like to the community of psychologists Mm -hmm. and you know the consensus was like that it's generally not the best time to do it
0: Uh, so let me let me jump in here so there is psychoanalytic uh, insight about this because a lot of uh, counselors have a so-called depressive personality. and people who are de- who have this depressive personality traits, they tend to reduce their needs. they tend to be very helpful, very empathetic, and they tend to put the other person first and oneself the second. So if let's say you're asking such question, a community that has this tendency to demonstrate depressive traits, of course that in such circumstances they will be they will try to save face and they will try to be uh altruistic but it doesn't mean that uh, internally they are not they are not uh, sad about it so that's also i understand what you're doing it's great to ask the community but at the same time we sometimes have to take it with a grain of salt and realize okay are these people really honest about what they're saying because still yes i'm altruistic as well but i also have to make payments uh you know, I bought, let's say, real estate. So uh, it's possibility that the euroboar will arise. So interest rates will yeah. rise, of course. So there are these challenges that you also have to think about it. And you know, and a possible idea could be: it's just a maybe you thought about it as well is to help psychologists to build up their practice, provide maybe financial guidance. Uh, provide uh, financial coaching, how they could, let's say, manage their their income. Uh, Because if, let's say, you you think that the client is the therapist, so it it makes sense to help them deal with these challenges like on a broader level, not only on building competency, but also building, you know, proper boundaries, uh, taking care for yourself, managing your income, fighting for efficiencies, how to optimize your practice. So it's something you already it seems that you're thinking but you can, I think you can go even broader than that. So.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. We, uh, we actually did do a thing, a few things related to that, especially related to like education regarding taxation and like mm. managing your finances back yeah. yeah. that. Yeah, um, but for sure, as time goes on, this is an avenue we want to explore okay. further. Okay. Yeah. So speaking
0: of, of counseling, so do you have counseling experience?
1: Or oh, was I in therapy? Yeah. Yes. Right
0: now or in the past? You were. Okay. And I still am, yeah. Okay, okay. So can we talk about this as well? Yes. So when you were thinking about this project, did you have already some exposure to therapy or counseling before creating Let's Talk? Yes. Okay, so many people who create such projects not many, I mean, many is like a different concept, but some people who are in, in mental health, they don't go to therapy for some reason. I'm not sure why, but you are in this case, a, someone who takes care for yourself as well. So uh, if let's say in, from your personal perspective, and, and if talking specifically about smart people like you who are maybe developers, engineers, why do you think many, engineers or developers many once again i don't have statistics it's just anecdotal but if you talk to those those people they are only now getting into these services they're becoming more more attracted but still many don't so why why do you think what helped you go to to a therapist or counselor as opposed to others who let's say are skeptical or afraid because their engineering mindset says that it's a
1: scam and it won't solve anything so um, I, I can't give you an answer. I can tell you my story. Sure. That's, that's how my story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I was working on the smart ring thing and we were like thinking of applications, it's applications of it within the mental mm-hmm. health space. Um, like at the same time, I was also sort of getting this weird thing related to anxiety. I would like wake up and I would not be able to leave, leave my bed you know, for sometimes for minutes, sometimes for hours, because of strong physiological signals, my heart would race, my muscles would be super weak, I would have like no focus, almost blurry vision, I like, and I couldn't understand what's going on, my, I had another company, which was doing very well at the time, I had family, I had friends, I had my hobbies, my sports, you know, like the the summer, the spring, the summer was there, like I had, like objectively speaking, not really a good reason to to, to, to feel this way and at the same time i was building this like smart ring which is going into the mental health space mm-hmm. and i thought you know what how can i ever build something in there if i never use the available tools to understand what people go through mm-hmm. and so i thought i actually am now experiencing this thing related to like anxiety a bit maybe uh, maybe you know i should subscribe to therapy and then i will achieve two things i will understand the natural process people go through when they experience something like that and at the same time i will help myself and uh, yeah and that's how i went yeah
0: i mean for you it seems very logical because it's a totally logical argument so if you're someone who are creating a product for people in need how will you know at least experientially or subjectively what it's like to receive such services or such products. So for, from your side, it was a totally, it seems to me, a logical argument. Now, uh, I, I'm sure that you can empathize with the engineering state of mind, with a skeptical mind, with a critical thinking mind. And, uh, you know, some people, they just think that, okay, so if, let's, if, if this person will help me by talking, I can't talk to myself, and I can ask myself good questions. Or for example, uh, maybe the person seem, feels that they are intelligent, and they don't think that the counselor will be as intelligent as them. Maybe they, they feel that they won't understand them properly. And other people think that, okay, so um, I'm an independent person, they will give me advice. I don't need advice. So there are those many assumptions made about the uh, the therapeutic process. And, uh, you know, for you, I mean, you seem like a, the way I know you, a person who has good critical thinking, skills, logical minds, and who studied engineering. How would you, let's say, if you had to, um, how would you... Um, help those people who maybe had these, these assumptions or reservations around counseling? What would you say to them?
1: Oh, man, this is, <laughs> you're putting me in a tricky spot because, you know, I'm not a therapist myself and my business partner, one of them, she's a therapist. And uh, while I would like to think that I understood many things about like ethical aspects related to, 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 to questions like that over this, like I think now, one and a half years we're developing this project together um i still feel like i'm on training wheels and i like i uh, yeah so in case i'm really going off side like in a, off rails here in terms of my thinking with respect to the ethics of your professional but uh, if, if, if i know.
0: you know if, if you allow me to stop you a bit it's not something in from an ethics perf- perspective I'm actually asking a human to human in this case yeah we, yeah but you know
1: yeah. like you the what we learned is that if you're not motivated to go to therapy you shouldn't go to therapy Mm -hmm. you know maybe this uh, this is a very broad generalization but okay um, you know like all the all decisions related to like the therapeutic aspect of our service i'm i'm not involved in that this is my business partner's domain because she's an experienced therapist and it's that's what she does sure, you know? sure yeah but from what i can tell and what i saw and what i learned is that if you are not interested in therapy and you don't find a good reason to to go there don't go there you know like there are other tools that can help you if you if you believe that you can help yourself with good questions um you know sure ask yourself good questions if you're not sure if your questions are good use online free resources to figure out these questions. And maybe as you proceed, you will, you will learn that, hey, this is so complex. I need someone who is trained. I need someone who can help me to see f- this question from like different perspectives because I'm no longer capable, you know? So maybe through this self-education, you will come at some point to a conclusion mm-hmm. that, hey, yes, any need therapy. But also there is a possibility that you will discover journaling in the morning that helps you to care all of your anxiety needs sure you know so for sure like it's not for everyone it's for motivated people who 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 have a real need for it so my advice is like if you're an engineer or any any person any profession i don't care about that and you you have these reservations you believe that you will not go you will you can do it yourself okay sure but If you find that you are struggling, just go once and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. if you're struggling, then it means you probably need to uh, at least get a recommendation from a professional. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I like your answer because it shows that certain problems can be solved individually, for example, via uh, educating yourself about mental illness or certain mental disorders. And many people do it either way. We, we Google and look for yeah. symptoms. And then we think, ah, I have a panic attack. Ah, I have depression. And then they come to the session and they realize, yeah, it's sadness, but sorry, it's not depression. Yeah, it's anxiety, but sorry, it's not panic attack. So yeah. you know, journaling, great if you maintain it properly and you have yourself as a accountability figure. But yeah, sometimes it happens that, okay, I'm not doing great. Maybe I need some help. But the problem is that some people, they have a very um, unrealistic or fixed idea about therapy. So for example, maybe they heard from their colleagues that it didn't help them. But when they say it, what do you mean? You mean the counselor? You mean the therapeutic school? You mean the problem maybe the person was tackling? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of material in that. For some people it's that just they don't understand the concept so okay so are they like doctors so what they, they will they like influence me will they like try to change me for some in some weird way what, what, what will it happen you know so because you're an engineer i think you're you can be how to say a reasonable voice in here because you you i'm not sure if you had those reservations but if you had So what was your experience and maybe you could share, how do you see as a person counseling or therapy, how does it help you there? with, and maybe how doesn't it help you, which is also as,
1: as important as the first question. So what do you think? Yeah, no, for sure. For me, it was such a great experience. Um, Because even, even though my, my training was in, like official training was in engineering, but I I, I self-taught myself many of the entrepreneurial concepts and things about business, marketing, especially digital. And, uh, you know, but at some point uh, when there is a team and uh, the team is growing, you you start to deal with people more and more. Mm -hmm. And then there is the stress and the risk you undertake. Uh, especially as an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and um, you know for sure what what therapy did to me they it's really helped me to learn more about the needs of people I had this uh, very stubborn idea of how people should be it was sort of like narrow-minded and I would be judging everyone around me based on that idea and then if you're becoming like a a managing a leading figure anywhere it would be a very 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 difficult to do anything with your life if you continue to be that way Mm -hmm. you know so for for example for me the therapist really taught me to reevaluate the the relationship i have with people and so it, it taught me to accept for who they are empower these strength their strengths and in turn, that really helps for business. Negotiating, mm. again, you know, mm-hmm. when you're negotiating, you need to understand what people want. And, you know, if, they, if there is something they want, but they're saying different things, why they're saying those different things. And, you know, how can you sort of push down these barriers and, like, make something that, like, come out of that negotiation with, like, a win-win, hopefully win-win mm-hmm. uh, situation. And so uh, being able to, to, to talk to a therapist and like in between a few like different negotiation sessions, mm. sessions and evaluate that was a tremendous help. It's my negotiations for sure would not have worked out the way they did if it wasn't for that. And then there are these personal relationships,
2: mm-hmm. the
1: personal relationships improved tremendously with my, with my parents, uh, you know, like I re, re- my romantic relationships in the past and like. The one I have right now is uh, like absolutely amazing. And uh, again, I would attribute that to many of the skills, uh, interpersonal skills I learned consciously or subconsciously, thanks to the therapeutic alliance I have with my psychologist.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so, yeah. And then, of course, there was this anxiety thing where, you know, we we sort of crystallized a few methods that would help me. And then, you know, in a span of a few months it disappeared. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that this would happen to, to, sure. to everyone, everyone's sure. path in this, in this journey is very mm-hmm. different. I can imagine. Um, but, but that was my experience. I, I improved my ability, my abilities as a, I improved my um, emotional intelligence or I sort of like unlocked it. Mm. And, um, and I improve my interpersonal relationships. And I learned more about myself, mm-hmm. you know, it's especially like if you're a bit ambitious, it's there, there is this struggle like, Hey, do I do something which I really like, or do I do this thing which fulfills my ambition?
2: Mm. And
1: it's like ambitious people. Like I talked to a few, they really, really have this dude. It's like, it tears you apart. It's so difficult to deal with. And I think having a psychologist to, to sort of guide you and sort of like crystallize almost your schedule, like how much you focus on one and how much you, fo- how much you focus on the other. Can, like it's such a time saver in terms of like, you know, acquiring wisdom about priorities. Um, so yeah, I think like I, I can imagine that someone who is, for example, you're really passionate about, uh, you know, development, uh, but at the same time has hobbies and paragliding. And you know, there might be some some conflict here and there because, you know, the employer might want them to 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 finish this project, but the the club where they are paragliding is going to the Alps to take this yeah. amazing glide, you know, and uh there are these things that happen and it's important to learn to navigate them because mm-hmm. else you can it's like a really quick forward quick way to resentment towards one or the other mm-hmm. and uh, this is just one example where i think um yeah i would recommend for people to to at least give this a try but again it's only if you're motivated sure right.
0: sure. yeah you mentioned three important words you mentioned many things but if, if you allow me to crystallize what what resonated with me the most so first thing is motivation and uh, it's like a, a very important starter point to understand why do you need it? What is the situation? And, and being more internally motivated, although it's okay, my perspective, right? It's okay not to be motivated too much, but if you are curious enough and you understand that you need help, motivation can increase the throughout the process. So sometimes clients come with some skepticism, some reservations, but still they give it a try and yeah. when they get some use from it, they realize that, okay, so my motivation is increasing. Some people, you know, they have procrastination issues. So the fact that they don't have motivation is a problem, you know, so I totally mm-hmm. get your point, but uh, I, I think it's, it's okay not to have too much motivation. You don't have to be too much motivated. And the fact that you are, you don't have it can be also a good starting point And increase that motivation. So first thing, the other thing you mentioned is you don't, you didn't mention the word, but this struck me is the concept of an unconscious mind. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that we are, we are, we as human beings find it very difficult to become conscious of what we are unconscious. Yeah. And I mean, these people, I, I guess me included, we spend a lot of time understanding those, those things like internal conflicts, defense mechanisms, cognitive mistakes that might be go out of our awareness. And having someone who is trustworthy to mirror these things can be a great use, you know. Mm -hmm. And I guess the last thing you mentioned, alliance or relationship. So unfortunately, in my experience, in my research, a lot of engineers, they don't have a very good relationship with oneself. They are very self demanding. They tend to self bash themselves. They are somewhat critical imposter syndrome is a for some reason very popular concept in the tech world where you you, Yeah. and you know so if i have a not the best relationship or not an appropriate relationship with myself how can i be the the best counselor for myself so having someone who can you know might allow you to see the good in yourself to identify the strengths the values it can be also beneficial so it's great to hear that what you are saying totally mirrors the literature. And at the beginning, you were afraid that okay, it's not my field. But what you said is very, I think it's very real because you know, on one hand, yes, it comes from you, but it comes from many other people. So
1: it was great to 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 hear your story. So
0: anything yeah, else you
1: would like to add? No, I I guess it's just like what you what you said about people. Like sort of, you know, I had this. Whereas I was sort of like unhappy about the way I was feeling, so I was like meta unhappy. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's such a such a mindfuck and mm-hmm. so can can be a bit frustrating, especially like it, it really what sort of becomes bold when you have high stress, high intensity, um, challenging times. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, especially as an entrepreneur, yeah. Mm,
0: totally, totally. And this is another concept you also touched upon is like understanding one's needs, realizing that certain needs cannot be met at the same time that you have to balance. I like the idea, choose your suffering, you know. So, okay, is it ambition or is it what I like? And it doesn't mean that you have to commit to something for your whole life, only like this or that, you know. You can't balance things. And just because you, at some point you decide, you know, to deliver a project doesn't mean you cannot, you know, do kite surfing the everyday to reward yourself. So the the ability to understand that we have a lot of needs, balance them and realize that one way or another, we still will be unhappy about something. It's also, I think important. And if let's say we're creating that bliss of being happy all, all the time, well, sorry guys, but that's,
1: an alternative reality we are not currently occupying yeah yeah you know there is this like concept like yeah so imagine like the how would our perfect day would look like especially if you're like this high performance person who's like really good at his own work and like you know you have this perfect day laid out Mm -hmm. on paper sort of like you know exactly what it looks like you wake up you you make like a super healthy smoothie you wake up and it's still just 6 a.m the sun is still rising and then you like you you work out you read you do breathing exercises you meditate and then you cycle to work and then you have a meeting you land the client bam afterwards you like write a piece of software which is like you know in in a few years will be named genius by some like famous tech publication and you come back and then there is an amazing date and you know you you go do some like a hobby in the evening and then you have this perfect day like i think what most and when you see, sleep and then you sleep eight hours with no
0: interruptions
1: don't yeah you? with the humidifier like perfect darkness and like gradual light increase in the morning like all this biohacking stuff you know and then you know what people should realize that if they would probably have five days in a row they would be totally screwed like they would be burned out you know, because it's such a high intensity and you know, even a concept of a perfect day, it's, it, it, it can be sustainable. So there is this question always of balance, at least that's what I find in my experience and what I learned from therapy. And so, uh, yeah, I think like learning what balance means to you is really Mm. important for your life quality. And I feel like, especially in this tech world, we have a lot of um all or nothing thinking especially yeah. with like venture capital oh i'll start a startup and i become a billion dollar company or i fail you know yeah. if you're raising venture capital you're sort of like almost always like going that way because at a very early stages of your company you're inflating your valuation and then you mm-hmm. need to justify that and inflate it again to make the previous investors happy you know so so you like you set yourself on this like really high growth path so like before doing that maybe it makes sense to ask yourself hey is this really the lifestyle i want because i will be essentially working 16 hour days for the next few years to build this into a unicorn and there is like one percent chance of working but is this really something i want if so is it my ambition and my ego and my like see um, me seeking for like like some social approval to do it or or am i generally passionate about the industry Mm -hmm. do i want to become a person who is driving this industry forward sure. you know in one sense it's sort of like self-damaging to go this way another person is empowering you know for another is empowering mm-hmm. so um, these are all things to which are very mm-hmm. complex to figure out about yourself and i, I went through that and uh, i know like I, I would like to believe that i'm a kind of person who really self-reflects a lot and is quite good at it and for, for me already, it was very difficult to, to navigate through that and sort of crystallize mm-hmm. what I want to do now, why I want to do this now, what I will want to do next, and so on and so on, what I want, to, where I want to be, where I'm mm-hmm. 50. And I think without a, without a professional like therapist, it would have been borderline impossible
0: yeah i mean it once again boils down to the idea of unconscious and that there, there are certain things that that are in the back end as i like to say to engineers and i mean you can become aware of them yourself but it's it's hard work you know and you can save a lot of money nerves when you just find a appropriate i just want to emphasize appropriate suitable for you professional it's also important to understand that unfortunately you at this moment, you cannot just pick anyone and be confident that the person will help you because as one client told me, I was struck by his, uh, by his idea, not fine, but just someone, some engineer I talked to, he said that the reason why he doesn't take, uh, either coaching or counseling, whatever is because when the person reads what some people are writing on social media, he identifies logical mistakes in their text. And from this, he thought, okay, so if these people are doing logical mistakes, like first sentence, second sentence, logical mistake, they are contradicting themselves. How can I be sure that these people can help me? So Mm -hmm. this was like a very revelatory moment for me, for someone who tries to understand developer experience. And unfortunately, many just maybe a topic for another time, but many therapists and counselors like metaphors they like those wishy-washy things like meet yourself, meet with yourself, meet your shadow. And they, yeah, and maybe we counselors are not like the most highly intelligent people. We are not like uh, very into mathematics, although they are very smart psychologists who are like into behavioral science, statistics, yeah. but therapeutic people, they are somewhat on the artsy side. We are more like a bit into humanities as well. And for us who maybe tend to use such language, it can be a turn off. So I also urge my colleagues sometimes, okay, audit what you say on social media, because maybe for your audience, it's not working what you're saying. And Okay, but maybe they will attract other people. And that's great. But for me, you know, who like works in a niche, for me, it was very difficult to understand, okay, what, what these people need. And you know, it's, it it was revelatory. So Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so be, we still have some time, so very brief questions, okay, before we finish off. So, okay, some people, let's say, okay, they don't want to go to therapy, but they still want to get help. And there are certain interesting uh, endeavors or or domains where I see a lot of progress, and I just want to briefly get your thinking on that. so, and pick those who are who are your you feel you're more interested in, but what I'm also interested in is is AI counseling you mentioned before. So would it be like something to explore, like chatting with maybe not a real person? The other endeavor is I'm also following is like artificial, no, virtual reality therapy where you basically face your anxieties in in digital Mm -hmm. environments. And then finally, basic self-help watching youtube reading books so from your experience what what first question what do you think of these endeavors and second Mm -hmm. what do you feel is like the most promising ones where you might get that appropriate help
1: yeah so very interesting okay so first with ai therapy and like chatbots pretty much that are designed to therapy so one needs to understand how they're built to understand their capabilities so essentially they take a real therapist are like a team of real therapists who are chatting with real clients. The clients ask for the consent to sort of use their chat um, chat transcripts for scientific purposes or like for engineering purposes. And then, you know, over a span of a few months, they generate like sessions from, like they generate like transcripts from 20, 30, 40,000 sessions. And then they use that in an, uh, in an AI to train the AI in a like natural language processing Mm -hmm. i'm not aware of the engineering details It's probably proprietary Uh, but but that's the general like idea of how these things are built so obviously there would be some limitations for what it can help and for example what these guys from woe VUBOT are doing uh, i think they're either from stanford or mit or harvard but like they're it's they're legit you know so uh, they're really going niche so they're like saying okay this is a bot that will help you for example with uh, uh, I think maybe alcohol addiction or something you know so they're really really going niche and I think the reason they do it is because of the way these kind of things are built it makes it very hard to build something abstract and you know even for a human therapist it they specialize you know say so same with these AI therapist, AI therapists. Like if if something looks too general, I would stay away from it. Yeah, basically,
0: if you have very specific anxiety, it might be a solution, but it, yeah, it's more if, vague, so not necessarily. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. If mm-hmm. there is a chatbot like AI chatbot chatbot which was which is literally advertised to help you with like you know uh, cat phobia, amazing. You know, you, you can use it. I can, I, I'm very confident based on the research I've done and based on the research that others have done scientifically that it is likely to help you. Mm-hmm. So that's my, that's my take on it. It's, un- it's important to understand how it works and thereby when you know it, you pick only niche chatbots. Okay, because so like- basically
0: the idea, if you have a specific problem, look for a solution that specifically tackles that problem. And yeah. it might be a solution. Okay, what about virtual reality? Any ideas?
1: Yeah. That's very interesting. So one of my first mentors in this space, he's a cognitive behavioral therapist. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he, he's Scottish, but then he went to work in Canada, really, really re- and academically also successful. Um, uh, we were talking a lot about different things when like considering the smart ring applications. And for example, one thing which really... Sort of pops up in my mind when I'm considering virtual reality therapy is um, is exposure therapy. So people who have specific phobias, at some point, therapists and themselves, they go and like yeah this exposure. So again, like animal example, if you're afraid of dogs, at some point, the therapist will take you to 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 a pet shop and like expose you to dogs and be there with you, and they have a methodology to sort of like grow you into feeling comfortable or like less scared. You know, there so. Um, obviously uh, when you're doing things telepsychiatry, psychiatry like for example what my platform does you you cannot give clients such experiences and thereby you're a you a bit can uh, agree
0: to a behavioral experiment but you have to be confident that the person will do it uh, outside the session so yeah you will yeah, not go with a person to exactly. catch up so, yeah
1: yeah so it's it's not the same you know and yeah. uh, you know, if, if you have this virtual reality aspect, you can really expand the amount of services and thereby the amount of people you can help through this like tele, telepsychiatry mm-hmm. model, which is amazing because I think one of the biggest issues with like telepsychiatry solving is that you're not limited to, to therapists within your vicinity, within your, mm-hmm. within your city. So you, you, like, it's, it, the, the, the industry becomes more fluid, more connected. And if you introduce this VR aspect, you can also help more people and then it becomes even more robust. And that's the possibility which really intrigues me. However, I have to admit that I haven't read upon any science on, on this like effectiveness of it. Maybe it exists already. However, I haven't had the time yet to... What what I'm
0: aware of is that virtual reality is definitely uh, effective for specific phobias. Let's say like spiders. So even now you can download an app who uses augmented reality and just have a spider in your hand and try to play with it. So that's one thing. Uh, The other thing is post-traumatic stress. So it's definitely and and an interesting domain where people from come from war or maybe trauma who can get into certain situations that were triggering them and just reinterpret the trigger and provide new meaning to that so yeah so interesting and okay so what about self help now so i think that's the most popular one so even if you go in, on healthline or any other portal where you read on symptoms it's already self help in a way so yeah. what what's your what's your take on youtube Reading materials, books, and etc. In your experience,
1: so it's funny. Like I was watching a lecture by one of my, like um, I constantly have like mentors and coaches. Like I'm, I'm paying for like
0: personal
1: development. Yeah. Uh, So we were like, sort. He was talking about cell health, and what really struck me is that, um you know, there is this concept that as you're like embarking on any project, whether it's something personal, or whether it's like something within an organization you're working on, or like you're building your org- organization you're going through these like five stages. The first one was like where you are informed, uninformed optimist, then you become informed pessimist. And then you get into this valley of depression where you're like you realize nothing is working and then you, <laughs> you 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 sort of push through and then you become informed optimist and finally you find success and you know like he was talking a lot about this like valley of depression which is like something whenever you do something challenging it's very likely you will get into this stage and he he was like giving a list of recommendations for what to do at that point and, uh, one of them was indeed self-help, but what mm-hmm. he, what he says is that guys realize that nothing new is sort of invented in self-help since like thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And his best recommendation is to read quality philosophy, philosophy, An ancient,
0: ancient philosophy.
1: Right? Yeah. And like, there is this dude, uh, th- Thomas, Aqu- fuck, I always forget Aquinas. Yeah. Yeah. I can't pronounce his name. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. Uh, that's that's you know a good read that's a quality read uh you can read uh marcus stoic- aurelius yeah marcus yeah, aurelius stoic, stoic philosophy in general like the like there is a very easy to consume book called the daily stoic by ryan holiday it's mm. essentially like every day they give you like a one-pager lesson from stoicism and like a like an exercise you subconsciously meditate upon throughout your day mm. i love that book i consumed it like faster than i should have it's really good uh so you know there, there there is for sure quality self-help tools uh, i just would be wary of using those self-help tools when you know you you have depression and then, then you read that you have to go on a keto diet and then it's essentially like a change in what your intake in your body like th- there is like this alignment. and you sort of have some have to have some common sense is it like something you read and like critically assess and sort of like fit change your thinking about it or is it like a recommendation online without like opposing opinions uh, about it and like no risks mentioned Which can and, be
0: an advertised thing so we always have yeah. to be aware of what we're taking
1: yeah, yeah. In. yeah so exactly so like you know like self help especially if you're like a driven person for sure like uh i'm a big fan of it but uh be careful to not misuse it when you know you really need professional help that's Mm -hmm. my take.
0: do you have some some time a little bit yeah sure so what i wanted also to discuss with you is that uh the 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 phenomenon of jordan peterson are you aware of him
1: yeah he's this dude on youtube who is like screaming and like giving very radical opinions and being yeah i'm not a fan of him oh
0: i see so i mean he's someone who is he has quite a lot of popular voice among young males and basically he's he's a clinical psychologist and he's essentially um he, he he has a lot of inspirations but basically his idea is that you need a value structure in life for life to make sense and if you don't have that don't have that value structure it becomes difficult and for him that value structure is christian philosophy that is basically embedded in western culture and those who say they are not christians according to him they are in denial because they don't uh, accept the impact of that um, religion on our ethics, on the way we behave, on our legal system, and his, his original, let's say, uh, original point of view was basically we should read the Bible, and look at it as a metaphor, as interesting stories that can teach us some wisdom about our, our way of doing things, and he became popular for other reasons as well for, for getting into into polit- politics. But he, he also was very popular for those biblical series. And many people who were let's say on atheism side started became become agnostic because they felt that okay there is some some sense in that. And uh, so he's like one of the most popular self help figures. Who was like also a scientist. He 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 worked at university of toronto so i'm aware of him because i I read some of his material watched some of his material and i I like some of the things he do but yeah the the thing is that yeah he has those quirks about religion you know about about and he may seem like um, not someone who who is an authority so what do you think of this let's say trend of for young males especially let's say finding for a father figure and following like everything what the person says i think it it can be therapeutic when you realize that you can not have such figure for, for for some they didn't have one but at the same time it, it can be like a bit uh, uh, culty or cultsy yeah, you way. Know, exactly, okay? so exactly. so what what's your take on these like very popular figures and i'm sure that they are there are gods in the tech world that people follow like blindly so whether it's Jordan peterson or elon musk i mean i think the mechanism is the same so what's your, what's your take on, on on that
1: i mean you know there is the saying that you're like an average of five people you hang out with i think that the like the, like in an in information age and you know, the access to information we have the more uh, correct way to, to to say it would be you're the x you're the average of the five people you receive most information from and You you, you know, so obviously that dude Jordan Peterson, he's smart, and like for example this value system, you know, it makes it it makes good sense, and like uh, it's nice, and uh, uh, but you should be probably a bit careful whenever someone is super radical and super categorical. Mm. Um, um, I'm the kind of person who likes to keep an open mind and get very different perspectives. From things like uh, religion, spirituality, all the way to mm-hmm. you know, um, the way we, we should be, you know, encrypting this video chat. Like it's like I'm I'm a, I'm a person who likes to hear many different perspectives. Sure. So uh, that's I guess why I was a bit uh, app- appalled by by this Jordan Peterson dude. He's too radical for my taste. Obviously, he has some like very uh, very nice things to say as well. Uh, but, again, when you're following these, like, sort of, like, as, as you say, like, tag ads or whatever, maybe make sure that you're not following a single person and that you're always hearing the the opposing opinion and considering both. It's the same, like, when you're talking to, like, an an experienced investor, you know, like, they, they will tell you a few different things. But one of the things they will tell you is, like, when you're very bullish on a stock or, like, on a crypto project or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, try and read and interact with people who are very bearish. And yeah, if, you, yeah, if, if you don't get like this far mm. and against, you will not sure. have a full picture. And uh, yeah, that's my take. Like, yes, it's nice. You, you get access to this dude, to, the, to his thoughts, to his information, to his videos, to his speeches. And uh, he's smart. He has something to say. He's, he has seen some life. And he's talented and inspiring but he's also radical and uh maybe to...
0: may seem radical because the yeah. pro- the other problem is that some people this is the case for george peterson he some people can be radicalized for mm-hmm. competing people let's say if, if you get into politics especially and if you have certain unpopular opinions uh of course you will be criticized and you can be radicalized although you're not radicalized radical yourself so yeah i, I think it, it's very wise to try to in take in different perspectives and read also ancient literature read modern literature and don't become too culty about certain figure at the same time i can understand these people because if you haven't had like a proper figure proper authority to have someone in your life that you can follow sometimes even religiously can give that structure and You know and i feel that this is like something related to to either jordan peterson or ellen must doesn't matter but yeah 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 great okay so anything uh lucas what you would like to finish off maybe anything you would like to say before we finish
1: no i'm good good yeah you're good (laughs) yeah we covered a a broad range of things
0: indeed so really appreciate your time it was a wonderful discussion i think it was like the the first appropriate conversation we had although we Mm -hmm. had some chatting but i really enjoyed the time yeah me too thanks for having me
2: yeah
0: okay so bye bye
2: bye